Hi, this is Dave Olson. I'm the senior leader of Heartland Church located in Ankeny, Iowa. I hope the following message challenges, encourages, and ultimately changes you. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jesus. How many of y'all had a good time this morning? Were you here this morning? Good. Praise God. We had an amazing morning and went through so much about what God, I believe, is doing right now. And, um, and we're going to continue on in that same conversation. I love being here. You know, you were talking about uh, when Leif Hetland originally came. Now, that was 2008. But when the move of God hit, it was 2008. So here's what's, what's wild about that is I was on a missions trip, in, and it was probably February of 2008 that I was on a missions trip to Brazil. It was a last-minute trip. Randy Clark couldn't go, and so he said, I want you to go. I'm sending you. And he said, I'm sending my other associates, Rex and Lois Berger. And so we get on the trip, and we're, we're hanging out and having a great time. And, and uh, he said, what do you feel like the Lord is doing right now? And I said, I don't know what he's doing, but I can tell you this. Get to Iowa as fast as you can because there's going to be a move of God there. And within two months, I believe it was, we were hearing news of what was going on here with Leif. Two months. And Rex was like, what? Are you kidding me? I said, you missed it, man. It could have been you, but Leif, you know, answered God's call. So, you know, it's a funny thing because God loves to, to pick out places and uh, people groups. And he, and he does this because he's going to use you as a distinguishing mark and um, a symbol, a signature. And in some ways, the signature was one of my favorite things to look at, favorite things to, to, to think about. A signature. And whenever you look at a signature, you can tell a lot about someone. And when Jesus does a miracle, his first miracle was turning water to wine. And really that tells you a lot about Jesus and the glory. Because it says, and this is the revealing of his glory, the first of his miracles. The revealing of his glory. And in a way, it's saying this is Jesus' signature. As if he's saying, I am, I am the Lord. I am, I am the Son of God. This is my signature. And he chose to do that beyond any, before anything else, which is a remarkable thing and not accepted at most churches. But it's still, it's, it's a remarkable thing. But you think about this, like our God is out of the box. Our God is very much out of the box. He's not in the boxes we put him in. And anytime I seem to manage to put him in a box, he always breaks out of the box. Whenever I think that, oh God, it's all about your sovereignty. He shows me something about free will. When he shows me something about, when I think it's all about free will, then he shows me something about sovereignty. And I go, I don't understand. Is it about faith? Is, what is, is it about grace? Is, yes. The answer is yes. It's about it all. Right? And so he's breaking our boxes right now. And, um, and so I want to share some things with you about this last two years leading up to this moment, the moment that we're in. And I want you to take these as a prophetic word. And, you know, I, I see things prophetically, not just being prophetic, but I, I, uh, I watch life as if I'm, I'm, I'm watching a dream. And uh, it's what I call a passenger perspective. 
You know, when you're in a passenger seat on a long journey, you're not driving, you get to see a lot more, and you take it in. And that's the way God wired us. We're, we're to be in the passenger seat. Jesus is taking the wheel. Come on, amen. Jesus, take the wheel. But now we're in the passenger seat, and we get to observe. And so life is happening for us, not against us. And life is telling us a story. It's always communicating something to us. And God is showing us things that are often hidden in plain sight. They're coming at us like stories and messages that he's trying to convey to us. And today I had one of those stories. I had a a prophetic thing, and it happens to me quite a bit, but it's one of those things that I have to pay attention to, and it probably happens to you as often or more because God is always talking. But are we paying attention? He's, it's funny how, how many of you have ever had that moment where you're thinking of something and all of a sudden a song pops on the radio and it matches almost identically what you're thinking. It could be something not spiritual at all, and, and, but it's just all of a sudden, boom, this song comes on and it just, it's like, wow, the timing couldn't be more perfect. It's like God set the mood music for my life and he knows how to do that. And that's, that's God talking. And, you know, when we think about God, him speaking, one of the primary ways that he speaks is dreams and visions. But that's not, that's not the only way that he speaks. Uh, there's a great movie that was, you know, newer movie, uh, but based upon an old character, Bumblebee. I don't know if you ever watched Transformers or I was a big fan of it growing up and I grew up in the 80s and that was like the thing. I wanted to be a Transformer. I thought it was so cool. I wanted to have a big truck like that. I wanted to be a big truck. And I was just like, that is amazing. But one of the characters is Bumblebee. And Bumblebee has something weird that's unusual to the other uh, uh, Transformers. He can't speak with his words. He has to use music. And so in the current iteration of him, he constantly uses music. He uses uh, radio to convey the message that he's trying to, to speak. And so he'll use popular songs and, and other phrases that are found on the radio to convey something to the person that he's trying to speak to. And when I watched that movie, I thought, that's just like the Lord. The Lord communicates almost in the same way. He doesn't speak to us in his direct language. He speaks to us in other ways to convey a message and too often we're so busy we can't identify what he's saying. So we need to get down to it where in our life we can actually see what he's saying. We can observe what he's saying, really take in what he's saying. And this last year has been one of the, this last two years have been one of the most prophetic and profound times and I, I think in, in modern history. Now the the. The, the veil has been torn. We have seen things, and we're smarter now. We have discernment now. We're not no longer, the wool's no longer over our eyes. We understand there's things going on. And what is the media trying to tell you constantly? There's a lot of smoke, but there's no fire. But I want you to know that where there's smoke, there's fire. And uh, there, there, is, there is a reality of what's going on in the realm of conspiracy, but then there's a greater reality of what's going on in the realm of the kingdom. And kingdom and conspiracy are sometimes overlapping, 
but they are very opposite. Conspiracy is a natural man's attempt to explain what's going on. Kingdom is a spiritual man's attempt to explain what's going on. So a natural man will try to, t- to explain it in so many ways, whether it's the 5G t- cell towers. I've heard it all. How many have gotten those emails, right? 5G. It's your microwaves. They're trying to nuke your brain. You know, it's, it's everything, right? Always something. The water. The water has something in it that's making me want. I'm going to become like this robot because all of a sudden they're going to activate the energy of the water. Listen, there's a lot of conspiracy out there. But there's really real things going on in the kingdom that don't, don't need to be uh, confusing. They can be presented in a plain way. And, and it doesn't have to be conspiracy. And I think our credibility is going to come back if we begin to move out of conspiracy, lean away from conspiracy, and listen to what God is saying in the Spirit. And so we have to begin to listen to what he's saying. Or else we're, our, our worldview is getting warped. I remember for a season in my life, back in early 2000s, I became uh, fascinated late night YouTube searches of this guy, it was like mid, two th- mid, mid uh, I think 2010, somewhere around there, uh, uh, I can't even remember his name, but he is a conspiracy theory guy to the max. That's his whole show. And I was this late night trying to, you know, recover from a meeting and trying to, you know, you might go home and pray. I, I go home and I try to turn on the TV or something. Just do normal because, I, you know, when you're plugged in to, 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 to the Lord all the time, you need a ground wire to ground you out. And that's what my ground wire is at times. Late night YouTube that has nothing to do with anything real. It's just, you know, it gets me to sleep, okay? And otherwise, I'm just like, oh, Lord, okay, what are you doing in the nations? And my mind will rattle all night long, and it doesn't need to. God doesn't need that. And so I remember that guy, that guy got under my skin. He started doing conspiracies, and all of a sudden I'm looking into them, and pretty soon I'm prophesying them. It's messing with my prophetic. I'm not prophesying what he's saying. I'm just seeing that it's coming into my prophetic, and it's mixing with what I'm speaking. So we have to understand what God is doing is not, it's not conspiracy. It's not conspiracy. Uh, now, there are overlapping things, and, and there's going to be every once in a while where someone in the realm of conspiracy gets it right. Uh, but, you know, I've heard it all this, this last year. You know, everything from Italy, getting involved in this and that. And I'm like, have you, are you kidding me? Have you ever been to Italy? You think they have that, they can manage that? You know, like, uh, it, it's just on and on we go. And I think that what we're doing is we're grabbing at straws. We're trying to get something that will actually trigger a moment. But we really already have that. It's it's the kingdom of God. Amen? It's the kingdom. So you have the kingdom. The kingdom has been given to you. And with this lens, we now look at the world in a different way. With this lens, we get to see what it is that the enemy is up to, but also the Lord. And so last year, uh, about, actually, it would have been uh, uh, close to four or five years ago uh, that I prophesied 
that we would be at war with an Asian nation in a very short amount of time. And uh, I, I was at a meeting, very public meeting, and gave this public word. And uh, I said, I don't know what it is, but it's an Asian nation. That's all I, I can see. We you know we see in part, we know in part. But we will be at war. And over the last few years, I've watched that and just thought, I wonder what it is. Now, I'm praying that we have peace. What, is te- what does Paul tell the, uh, the churches? He says, hey, pray for your governors. Pray for your leaders. Pray for your rulers, that you, there may be peace in the land and that uh, that would be, be able to bring the gospel to get further uh, out there, to, to have a further reach. And so that's what we're about. We want to see peace. We don't need some end-of-world scenario with Israel and its neighboring, ally, uh, neighboring nations. I'm not looking for that. I, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. Okay? We don't need that to justify the Lord's return. We don't need that. I, I don't think that that is necessary for him to come back before he comes back, that there's going to be this great war that has to happen against us. I don't have to, we don't have to, Jesus could come back and that's not really going to, whether that happens or not, doesn't have to happen before he returns. And so we have to get our, our, our priorities straight. What is our priorities? Well, our, my priority is that we would continue to be a blessing, to be blessed and to be a blessing. You hit it on the head. This is the prayer of Jabez. What does Jabez say? He says, Oh Lord, bless me that I may cause no pain. Jabez was named Jabez because he was brought forth in pain. He caused pain at his birth, and his name has to do with pain. So imagine, you, you know, I've heard people say, You're a pain in a, you know, like, imagine hearing that your whole life, and that's your name. But so what he said, what does he say? Lord, bless me, increase me, that I may cause no pain. And the Lord heard his prayer. God wants to make you a blessing. He wants to bless you that you would cause no pain. It is the prayer of Jabez. It's a prayer we need to begin to pray in this hour. God bless me indeed that I may cause no pain, that I may be a blessing to those around me. That when people know me and people get to know me, they get better because of me. Because of my involvement in their life. Their life progresses in the right way. Otherwise, we're, 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 we're resorting to a lifestyle of, uh, of faith that we believe our role in society is to be like sandpaper. And, and so, somehow we feel like that's the kingdom Jesus was sandpaper to Pharisees, but he wasn't sandpaper to the world that he was ministering to. Not, to. not to lepers, not to tax collectors, to Pharisees. And so that's the only place we're allowed to be sandpaper, is that religious spirit. And so when, uh, when you're coming into an environment that God is going to be calling you to, you have to learn how to be a blessing. And this is where Daniel and their mindset, like Joseph, Daniel. You think that Joseph had it easy? And you think that he had, just because he got to the top and got to make great executive decisions, he watched things constantly that were against his culture. That were totally opposite of his culture. In a heathen nation. And he, he didn't sweat it. He didn't sweat it. He even took on his Egyptian name. Sounds weird. 
But what we're running from, I believe, is God's ability to put us in culture, in Babylon, and actually cause a difference. Some people are praying for your promised land. I want to pray with you for your promised land. But often your promised land looks like Babylon. Babylon. Uh, and so we, we have to understand, you know, what is, the, what is, well, I won't go there, but we have to understand that God is calling us into culture. He's calling us into society. And that doesn't look complicated. It's very simple. It's simple. It is something that you do that is a benefit. You answer a problem. And in the middle of that, the kingdom of God can invade. In the middle of that. Uh, just a few weeks ago, I was working at my father's restaurant. And late night, right before we're about to mop the floors, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a young guy strikes up a conversation. He goes, I heard you're a pastor. I said, yeah. He goes, what do you talk about? I said, well, I talk about dreams and how dreams actually have meaning. He goes, you mean like the dreams we dream at night? I said, yeah. He said, whoa, that's weird stuff. And all of a sudden, one thing led to another. We're talking about Nephilim. We're talking about, I mean, it just went down this rabbit trail of, uh, uh, you know, of weirdness. But we were having fun, and, and all of a sudden, the king of God is invading that place. And he's going, well, I like the Bible. And I go, me too. And he goes, he goes I mean, it's cool because when I read the Bible, I can take it the way I want to take it. And I could you could take it the way you want to take it. And I go, uh-huh. Yeah. But when he says that, I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit is going to teach him. He doesn't have to take it like I take it. Because I can read the same scripture that you are reading right now, and it has different meaning to me. And so, one thing's... Now, what, what, is the, what is the mystery of that moment? Just being there. Just being at the right time, the right place, being present. But what we've had is the enemy has tried to exclude us, isolate us, exile us, and get us locked down. Keep us from being able to reach out. And, you know... Moses comes down from the mountain. He's got so much glory on him. And they're like, put a mask on, Moses. That's what I feel we are experiencing in our society. Put a mask on the glory that God has created. God created man in his image, male and female. He created them both. But we're coming into a time of the unveiled face. Where we can behold the Lord without a veil. Beyond the veil. The unveiled face. And so what happens, listen, do you remember that there are seraphim in Isaiah 6 around the throne? But by the time we get to Revelation, they're no longer covering their face. There's an unveiled face. And so those same seraphim that have six wings, which are different than the cherubim, they're not, they're not the cherubim. They're, they're, uh, those uh, cherubim, are different than the seraphim. The cherubim have four wings while the seraphim have six. And what does it say about them in Revelation that they have six wings and, and four different faces? And so now they're no longer covering their face. They're beholding the Lord with an unveiled face. <clears throat> Even 
heaven has changed because of the blood of Jesus. The way that they experienced God in heaven for it's, I, who knows how long, but because of that, that moment of failure and of falling, when, when lies were told in heaven, when the five lies, that point on, they had to cover their face in the presence of God. But Jesus has atoned. He has put his blood not just on the mercy seat made by man, but the mercy seat in heaven. He's made atonement, and so the heavens are cleansed. And so now we, in the same way, behold him with an unveiled face. And what happens when we have him and we see him with an unveiled face? Well, the four living creatures reveal different aspects of who God is. Because when they see him, just like us, we are transformed into him, his image from glory to glory. They've been staring at him. And when you stare at him, you can't help but be transformed to look like him. So one of them has taken on the likeness of a man. Another one has taken on the likeness of a lion. Another one has taken on the likeness of an ox. And another one has taken on the likeness of an eagle. And that's the unveiled face. What kind of faces are hiding in you? What kind of faces has God hidden in you that when you look at him, you're going to be transformed into the same image, that there's literally a melting away of the mask, and now we can behold him We see him as he is. We behold him in his glory. And now we are being transformed to look like him. Some of us have adopted this mindset of being a lamb. But God, he's calling the lion out of you in this season. And he's saying, I want you to be the lion. I'm I'm a lion. He's the lion. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so he's asking us to behold him. And as we do, all of a sudden this transformation takes place and we are not what we used to be. We're transformed. We go from glory to glory. We go from strength to strength, blessing to blessing, and faith to faith. When we transform, all of a sudden it's a new version. It's an upgrade from what you once were to what God is calling you to be. You put on a different attitude. You wear a different hat. It's a different outfit. God supersuits you. And all of a sudden, you're no longer the same person you once were because you're wearing the supersuit of heaven. And I believe that many of us, we're, 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 we're trying to live in the new, but we're, we're doing the old. We're acting in the old way. But this is all. Listen, there's nothing wrong with you. I like you. You're a good person. But you have, listen, multiple identities in the kingdom. Multiple identities. Okay? Now, hopefully, you just have one personality. But, you know, there's multiple personality. But there's something worse than multiple personality. It's zero personality. Have you ever met someone with zero personality? That's a slow death. You're trying to... They're like, what's, how are you? How are you doing? Good, brother. How are you doing? We can't say anything because, you know, it's like this religious thing comes over people and zaps the personality. And all of a sudden, you're just... 
we've got to come. God loves our personality. God loves me. You might not like me, but God loves me. That's what's real. God likes my personality. God likes the way I am. God likes me being silly. God likes me being smart. God likes it when I'm doing me and the way I do me, and that's good enough. That's what God likes. He likes the way he made you. But as you are in his presence, the real you begins to come out. I can always tell when I'm in my most healthy state is when I'm having fun, joking, being silly. And I watch the prophetic flows even better. The prophetic flows so much better. My relationship with God is better. My relationship with my wife is better. My relationship with my kids is better. I'm always like, hey, you know, what happened? Well, I've been having encounters with the Lord. Encounters with the Lord bring my personality out. Encounters with the Lord don't make me more stoic. They, they take me out of that stoicism to becoming more lifelike, animated. It's what David said when he said, my heart is overflowing with a good theme. And when your heart is overflowing with a good theme, you could just giggle at command. I mean, it's like you feel you could giggle at will. Does anybody have that in them? You just giggle at will? You're blessed. But that is a blessing because when you can do that and be around people that are super serious, all of a sudden you're contagious. You're just contagious. I love happy people. I like to get around happy people. Does anybody else like happy people? How many of y'all like unhappy people? Raise your hand. Okay. No takers. Okay. I love happy people. Okay. And I will love unhappy people, but I don't like unhappy people. Okay. And listen, it's not a sin to be unhappy in a, on your day, you know, and you, you have a moment, you're having a day, you're just having one of those days. But it is a terrible waste of life to live life unhappy. And it should be a sign to you that something's off. If you're, listen, I'm not talking about I'm just not happy in this relationship. Look, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. Okay, because the other person is probably twice unhappy. You know, it's like, get some happiness in you. Don't soul suck it from someone else. Get some happiness in you. Come on, are you hearing me? You know, listen, I've been around spiritual vampires. And, and they're, they're like, hey, I need to talk to you for a second. I'm like, how about shorter than a second? That's not giving you any more time than that. It's like you all of a sudden feel the air go out of the room. And you're like, did I just get older? How did this happen? You got to have the joy in you in the middle of the trial, in the middle of the pressure. We talked today about the pressure, that through much pressure, we inherit the kingdom. Through much pressure, we inherit the kingdom. Man, I like you all. Because you're happy people. I want to tell you how rare that is today. I'm serious. It is rare. And we have to begin to make this thing not rare. It needs to be common. That our, our, our churches have... Our, our, I remember moving to Greenville, South Carolina one year. And I was like... 
what makes Greenville, South Carolina, Greenville, South Carolina? And they said, well, there's a few things that are pretty interesting about this place. But one of them is that this is the happiest city in America. I said, really? Now, I just moved from Philadelphia, which is the unhappiest city in America. A city I love, a city I care for, but very unhappy people. And I was there, unhappy with them. And I, and I was doing life and preaching the gospel, but I said, I got to get happy. And, and so I didn't move to get happy. I just was like, I need to, Lord. And, and I've been, I, for the last few years, I've been praying this prayer. Lord Jesus, make me the happiest person I can be. Make me the happiest person I can be. I'm not talking about, Lord, trick me into happiness. I'm talking about, I want to be happy. I want to feel happiness. Come on. People would pay big money to have happiness in their life. They do it all the time. They think that car is going to make them happy. They think that house is going to make them happy. It doesn't. The happiness has to come from within. It's inside of you. And so when you have that, then all of a sudden your gratefulness goes up way high. See, most, many of us, we have this new phenomena called nostalgia, right? Nostalgia. It's a newer phenomenon in, in, in regards to history. Historically, it's not an old, old thing. It's a newer phenomenon, nostalgia, because we're like nostalgic about the 60s, nostalgic about the, the 40s. We're all, all this nostalgia, right? Nostalgia is like delayed gratefulness. Because it's like, man, the 90s were awesome. Did you grow up in the 90s? Okay. No. It depends on where you were. But listen. It's delayed gratification or or delayed gratefulness. But when we have uh, current happiness... We can begin to live life and go, man, today is awesome. Today is awesome. And people will look at your life and they're like, your life is terrible. But you're like, but I'm happy. And that's the mystery. How can you experience so much stress and so much pressure but still carry the joy of the Lord? That's the mystery of his joy. How martyrs were dying in Colosseums in Rome while singing songs of praise the joy of the Lord. It was what set them apart. They couldn't understand how these Christians were burning at the stake and dying at the the, the mouths of lions, but yet singing hymns of joy to the Lord. We have the joy of the Lord. Come on, we got the joy of the Lord. I want you to get that in your heart. I want the joy of the Lord in me. God, I want, listen, I've been around a lot of ministries that start talking about the joy of the Lord, and I start to get weirded out. I'm like, where is this going? Okay? It's like, he's like, the Lord, we just need to. No, I, I want is real joy. Okay? Not manufactured moment. Real joy. So how is that going to happen in your life? Just begin to pray and ask the Lord and say, Lord, make me the happiest person I can be. Transform my heart that I could exude happiness in my life, joy. I'm not talking about momentary delights, but when you have moments, you can delight in them. 
You can delight in them. Okay? And if you can't find joy in a moment, there's something off. Right? I, I Listen, I am the probably the most expressive, because my grandmother was Italian, I'm expressive because everything is amazing to me. Like everything. I love it. But I learned this from my kids. I was driving them to Disney World one time, and all of a sudden, as they were driving, they were like, I was driving them, all of a sudden, they started, I wasn't even at Disney yet with them. They were going, whoa, whoa. I said, what is it? They were in the back seat. They said, the trees, the trees at Disney are amazing. We're not even at Disney. They were just seeing the trees in Florida, but I said, yes, they are. This is Disney, kids. (laughs) I had a thought that we could get away with this. I wouldn't have to pay the ticket. (laughs) We just take them to the trees of Florida. Kids are always like, whoa! It's an amazing experience. But that's what being born again is. It's where you get born again. You get the joy of the Lord. It's like you're learning, you're, you're, you're learning to ride the bike for the first time. And you're like, oh, I could do it. That's what every day is like in the kingdom. Come on. And so, and I can always tell when my gratefulness is going down, my gratefulness meter is going down because I I have a self-audit that I often do. Is my gratefulness meter going down? And it means that I'm not grateful. I'm I'm not being grateful for what I'm, you know, whether it's something that comes my way or an opportunity. I'm just like, oh, cool, okay, you know. I, ha- I get numb, and that's what the world does. It tries to numb you in your joy. Sedate your joy. And it adds a sedative to your joy life, right? And there's a swing between sorrow and joy. But sorrow lasts for the night. Joy comes in the morning. Sorrow is only in the night. Now, it's an amazing thing to go through a night with sorrow in your heart because God will help you in that moment. It's another way of connecting with God. That's why Jesus said, blessed are those who weep. There is a blessing experienced in the weeping. But we all know that there's joy on the other side. This is only a moment in my life, but I'm gonna be on the other side of this very shortly. Come on, are you hearing me? So what is God doing in us? Well, we're in a weird time. We're in a weird season. We've got to have the joy of the Lord. Come on, can you hear me? Is that right? We've got to have the joy of the Lord because there are things happening around us that are getting us all confused, discombobulated. We don't know which end is up. We're, we're trying to understand the way forward. It's like, what is going on? You know, and there's every weird mixed message being sent out by the media. It's this or it's that. It doesn't matter which day it is. It just, uh, one minute they're saying one thing, one minute they say another thing. And, and it's, it's just, what is going on? Well, we need a clarity. And that, that happens in the joy of the Lord. That happens in his presence. And so I have gone through incredible hell in my life. And I'm, I'm sure that you have your own hell story. 
but I've got have an incredible hell story. I mean, Jesus has his own incredible hell story. He goes down there and he gets the keys of death and Hades, you know. He goes to hell and he prospers, okay? And that's the kingdom. When Jesus got the keys of death and Hades, he came back, he said, all authority has been given to me. And so we have to understand that we could go to hell and prosper. That's the way kingdom is. He's equipped you to prosper in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the trial. And Jesus comes up, rises up out of the grave victorious, and so will you. And so I've been through my own personal journey of hardship, and it's not over. I'm just saying I've, I've, I've fought the lion and the bear and all of that stuff. But I've learned something that we can have joy in the middle of that stuff. We can have joy. We can have true joy. And so today, uh, I, this weekend, I have been experiencing a family crisis. And I, and I won't go into detail. I won't, I won't uh, give you all the details. But it's been something that we're praying through. My wife and I are praying through. It's not related to us. We're good. But it's like we're, we're praying through this family crisis. And we're going, God, how, what is the way forward? What is the way forward? And so... It's been an unnerving episode of a week, and it got me all worked up. And so I had to go, God, I'm going to get back in your joy. And so when they asked me if I wanted to go to Adventureland with my brother Gene today and his, his, his beautiful daughter, we had a great time. I took my son, and they said, do you want to go to Adventureland? And I said, I need to go to Adventureland. I need it for my soul, okay? Now, I sweated my soul out at Adventureland. <laughs> I was like, whoa, their misters here are incredible. There's no misters at Adventureland. It's just the air. And so, <laughs> and they're like, would you like to ride the whirly twirly and all that stuff? And I'm like, <gasps> I'm like, I feel like I'm swimming while I'm moving through that air. <laughs> but I was like, sign me up for the faster ones. It's like air conditioning. So we had a great time, though. It was, it was a fantastic time. And uh, my brother Gene, he just, he was trying to cheer me up, to keep me going. And he didn't know what was going on, but he, he could sense it. And so I was just like, I'm breaking through. I'm breaking through. And so my son wants to ride a roller coaster. <laughs> and they got all these different roller coasters. They got the monster. They got the dragon throw up one. <laughs> dragon throw up. Uh, and then <laughs> dragon slayer. Sorry. And, <laughs> and then they have tornado. So my son's like, all right, we'll go on tornado. I'm like, okay. And so he goes on and we're checking out the integrity of the building. Okay. We're like, how old is this thing? <laughs> you know, I'm asking questions. <laughs> I'm like, there's some wood that's been replaced. <laughs> there's a paint is stripped from every piece of wood. At the highest point, I'm like, oh my gosh. And so, 
<laughs> Life insurance doesn't cover that. So <laughs> I'm like, okay, all right, let's go. So we get on, and my son's super excited, and he's like, all right, Dad, yeah, we got this. And, he's, and so I get on, and immediately in the first, first go, he's like, got his head ducked, and he's going, no! <laughs> and I'm having such a fun time just holding him. My head, I like this. And it's like, the whole thing, the whole time, it's like, just when you think you're done, and all of a sudden it's like, you know, there's one time I thought we had liftoff. We actually took, we got, has anybody taken that thing? And there's a point where you go, did that just get disconnect from the track? It just disconnected, didn't it? <laughs> so I'm on a roller coaster named Tornado. And I get off and I'm dealing with this crisis and we're praying through it, and I get off, and I all of a sudden look down, and I realize I have butt dialed 911. <laughs> I've been on 911 with 911 during the roller coaster ride. And they're like, Sir, are you okay? Because <laughs> it's like, ah! 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 the whole roller coaster is screaming. <laughs> and so I had to get on with the guy, and I'm like, "Sir, no, we are fine. This is." It was a it was a nine one one call. It was I'm, I mean I'm I'm sorry. I was on a a, a a tornado. I was in a tornado. No, I mean I was on a roller coaster. <laughs> He's like, "Are you sure you're okay?" I'm like, "I am okay." <laughs> what do you do? When you're on a roller coaster named Tornado, you call 911. Huh. I want to, I, I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. You think this is a funny story, but it is more than a funny story. Because when God speaks to you 911, he's telling you Psalm 911. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the perilous pestilence. He shall cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that lays waste at noonday. Look at this. A thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord, who is my refuge, even the most high your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you. 
nor shall any plague come near your dwelling, for he shall give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. In their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. You shall tread upon the lion and the cobra, the, uh, the young lion and the serpent you shall trample underfoot, because he has set his love upon me. Therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high because he has known my name. He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. That's the word of the Lord. If you're in a crisis, if you're right now on the roller coaster called Tornado, you need to call 911. You need to reach out and ask the Lord to be your shield, to be your, your protection, your covering in the wilderness, that God can actually cover you and keep you, that no evil would come near you. God is putting a hedge of protection around you and your family. And as the Lord's doing, there's a place of abiding in him where you cannot, there's nothing you can do, only abide. And he will be your defender. He will be your protector. He is your stronghold. When COVID hit, about a week and a half before the lockdowns, maybe two weeks, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee, Nashville's been my home base for a few years now. Nashville that has an unusual layout in the city. Nashville is surrounded by 440. It's a highway. And if you know anything about music, 440 is the tuning frequency. And so when we think about 440, Nashville being the music city, it is about tuning. And so right before COVID hit, there was a big tornado, about uh, more, I think it was multiple tornadoes, but a, a few tornadoes came through Nashville and ripped through North Nashville, causing massive amounts of damage. But weird and terrible, tragic, another side of Nashville, right around uh, the 440 area, there's another airport that's called John C. Toon. It's not the Nashville airport, but it's John C. Toon. And it's a private airport. But uh, the tornado had ripped through there, causing something like $90 million worth of damage. And now today they estimate that it's even worse. It's somewhere around $200 million after it shut down so many businesses and, and, and the consequences of that. And so here's a tornado ripping through, and it's causing damage. Lives were lost. It is a big deal. And only a week and a half later, two weeks later, we go into COVID and the lockdown. But when you look at this as if it were a dream, you start to see that there is something going on that God wants us to begin to get. See, the enemy is releasing tornadoes. And his tornadoes are going out there to try to throw things out of tune. It hits John C. Toon Airport to throw things out of tune. Everything that was flowing well, everything that was going one way, the enemy comes in like a flood. He starts to throw things out of tune. But we're not ignorant of the, the schemes of the enemy. And in the midst of all of this, many of us had to trust our lives to the Lord 
to get us through a lot of the real stuff that was going on. And listen, I don't care whether you believe it was a pandemic or a pandemic. It was bad. And there was real people who lost their lives. It is not, it's unfortunate, it's terrible, absolutely disgusting. But it happened. And we have to realize that we went through that. We went through that, but God got you through. God got you through. And uh, it's, I've, I pray for the families of those who are survivors, of other, other members of their family who, 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 who had faced that and couldn't get through it. It's absolutely terrible. And so I don't want to make any light of what was going on. But I remember in about March uh, 8th, uh, March 7th and 8th, I had a dream. And in this dream, this was 2020, I saw a spirit of death come over the United States. And it was passing over the United States. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, you cannot rebuke it. And I, I go, well, what do I do? And I was instructed to get in the house and everybody in the house. And all you could do was practice the Passover in Exodus 12. You had to plead the blood and eat the lamb. You had to put the blood on the doorpost and stay in your house and plead the blood and eat the lamb. On March 8th, I got up and I gave that word to my, my church, um, my home church, uh, and I, and, I, and I spoke that morning, and I said, there's something coming, and I know, it's, I know this virus is here, but I saw that something, I don't know if it's this or that, but I saw us getting in our houses. We have to get in our houses, and we have to practice Exodus 12, the Passover, and we have to plead the blood and eat the lamb. We can't rebuke it, but we can be protected if we plead the blood. And so why is that important? Because we have to know how to do warfare in the midst of these situations. We keep our joy on, but we keep moving forward. We don't fight a, a, a battle that has a beginning and end date. We're fighting an infinity battle. It doesn't have a, a beginning and end date. It's not like, oh, now 2020 is over. Now we got 2021. Woo, let's bring it on. No, because every year has its own things. It's own drama. But what we can do is in the midst of the drama, believe God. And so for me, 2020 was not a bad year. It was hard because I had to lose it. I, I missed out on some ministry events, but I got to get on Zoom and Jesus is Lord of the Zoom. And so I got on Zoom and I was doing all sorts of, got, what is this, floaties in here? So I was doing Zoom things with people all over the world. It was amazing. I was business up on top, and then I had my, my jammies on the bottom, you know? You wear that Zoom power suit, you got the suit on, but you got your plaid jammies on the bottom. Okay, that's the Zoom power suit, okay? I was loving it. I was like, okay. Now, and I was also not trying to take, make light of anything, but I was trying to keep my joy on, okay? Because I got hit, and we had... Big hit financially, all that stuff. But the Lord takes care of us. The Lord takes care of us. And so what we had to do is just begin to reassess what is it we're going after, where are we going, come on, Lord. And amazingly, I had already scheduled a year out most of my events for the 2020 summertime to be in the Midwest. 
And so while lockdowns were happening on the East Coast and in California, the Midwest was like, come on in, there's a party going on. I was like, praise God. In certain parts of the Midwest, it wasn't that way, but other parts it was. And I was like, wow, God had already seen this ahead of time. And he had scheduled me to be, and I love the Midwest anyway. I grew up in St. Louis, so I know I, I have a lot of friends here. But it was just an amazing thing, the, the irony of it all. But I, had, I still, I had to trust the Lord. And many of us did. But we couldn't rebuke it. We could only hide under the shelter of the Most High. And that's not being afraid. That's not being afraid. Come on, you hear me? That's being in faith. When you hide under the shadow of the Almighty, the shelter of the Most High, that's being in faith. So we are hiding in his shelter, under his wings. We're taking refuge. And so we, we're going after God. But 2020 was awesome for me. I got remarried. That was an amazing time for me. I went through a terrible divorce years before that I had felt absolute powerlessness over. It was so out of my control, and everyone in my life was like, you can't keep it going. It's just got so toxic, you just have to let it go. And so I, I did that in faith, and the Lord brought to me, after several years of heartache and, and, and isolation and all that stuff, God brought to me someone absolutely amazing in my life, a person that I, I am able to be sane spiritually on every level, and where we can run together, pray together, fight battles together. And so for me, 2020 was like a year of renewal. But when people go, yeah, remember that time when the pastor said, this is your year? It doesn't matter what the year looks like. It is my year. And you need to get in that mode where this is your year. And bad things are going to happen. We don't like to talk about them because we don't like to talk about that stuff at church. If I say the D word, divorce, that people go, wait, you had one of those? Listen, we are in a culture where if we do not become relevant and, and, and helpful to those people who have been through those situations, absolutely tragic and terrible. I, I have many friends who think that that is the way, and I say, no, no, you should not, this is not an answer for you. What is an answer is that you get reunited. What is an answer is that you get reconciled. That's the answer for you in this situation. This does not merit that. But we also have to understand how to bring a word of wisdom where, like Solomon says, we got to split the baby. That doesn't sound like some of the Proverbs I've been reading. But he says, split the baby. What? Split the baby? We have to think smart, shrewd, have discernment. And I want to tell you this, the enemy is after your relationship. He's after your marriage. And listen, do not make a mistake about it. Get with your spouse and say, I don't have the answers, but I know who does. Let's go after God. I, I don't know what to do, but I know who does. And we're going to go after God. That's not because of my broad idea. It's because of his. Whatever he says, that's what we're going to do. Are you on that page? And then, boom, that's the way. That's the answer. And, man, please be honest. I am so tired of phony believers not being honest 
and hiding. There's a difference between a covering and a cover-up. We have these cover-ups that are everywhere, and now they're being exposed. Leaders are being exposed left and right for things that happened 20 years ago, 15 years ago. We think, oh, we just, don't talk about it. It'll go away. It's, it's, it's God's way of bringing things to the surface. You can't cheat time. You can't cheat time. So why am I saying this? God can use you. God has not disqualified you. What you did in 2020 doesn't disqualify you in 2021. What happened to you in 2010 doesn't disqualify you from your future. Because even in your lowest moment, God does not change his mind about your highest potential. He still goes, no, my word is true on you. My word is real. You know, when someone walks away from the faith and they walk away from the Lord and they still have the prophetic words, you go, well, is that real? Is that not? Nope, it's real. God is not a man that he should lie. He's going to speak his word and he's going to make it happen. I don't know his timing. I don't know how it all works. But I will tell you this, that God, he never lies. He always says what is true. He always speaks what is right. We went through COVID and my wife and I, we got married in an airplane at 25,000 feet in the air. If that were a dream, what would it mean? I said to my pastor, I said, pastor, I met a girl. He said, come on. I was praying you would. And, and I said, yeah, because he was my accountability, walked me through several years of heartache and sorrow. And uh, I day, talked to him daily, check in. Him and James Gall, just check it in. Just hear, I just need to have some input right now. I need to hear from the Lord. I can't even hear for myself. And when you can't hear for yourself, other people can hear for you. You can hear from the Lord. If you have to rely on other people at times, it's, it's still the Lord. It's, it's the gift of the body of Christ. And so I was calling on speed dial, and he would check in with me. Why haven't you called me? So we have to talk, and we talk. But finally, I said, I met, I, I met the one. And he's like, man, I knew you would. I knew you would. Maybe I've been praying for you. I knew you would. And so, of course, all the due diligence, all the right people, you know, meeting, meeting her, all that type of stuff, you know. And everybody was on board with it. They were like, this is a blessing. She's such a blessing. It's amazing. So my pastor, he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pick you up at the airport in my plane and we're going to get up in the air, and then I'm going to marry you. How's that sound? I said, and then what? He says, and then we drop you at your honeymoon hotel. We, we, we fly to that place, and we'll drop you there, and then you go, go off and do honeymoon. And he says, and my wife and I will be on the other side of the hotel they weren't the whole time. They were, they were right there, like knocking on How are you guys doing? I was like. <laughs> My pastor, he was like, you want to do a live stream today? I was like, a live stream? <laughs> Pastor's got a pastor. And so I was like, okay, so well, yeah, let's go. And we had such a good time, and we're so we're not only married, my wife and I, to each other, but we're married to our pastors, and we just do life with them, and we, we, we hang out with them. My wife is on their board, and all sorts of cool stuff. 
It's this amazing thing. And so God has just completely knit us together. And it's just, it's just awesome to see. And we got married on Pentecost. And so we said, Pentecost is the day. And we're going to go after God because our life is going to be Pentecost. And so we did. And that, listen, why am I saying this? God, no matter what you've been through, God can bring you back. God can bring you back. And what you've been through in 2020, God can bring you back. But he's going to bring you back even better. Even better. That's life. That's the story of life. God doesn't quit on you. He doesn't quit. And this is the word that we need to omit from our our vocabulary. Like that God is going to quit on us. If you keep doing that, God's going to quit on you. God will not quit on you. I really believe that to the moment that Judas did what he did, Jesus was still believing for a turnaround. He was still believing for a turnaround. That's why Jesus accepted a kiss. He accepted a kiss. He was still believing for a turnaround. But you know what? What happens? Bad stuff happens. And it's interesting to me that while Judas is able to kiss Jesus, Jesus rebukes Peter. He tells Peter that he's Satan. So his enemy gives him a kiss while his premier apostle is called Satan. Why is that? Because Peter was standing in the way of his destiny. His destiny was the cross, that he might be glorified and resurrected. But Judas was bringing him closer to his destiny. And sometimes in life, you're going to have a Judas. Sometimes in life, and it's going to be someone you know. But it, it's God's designed it, that, that you actually walk through that and you come up resurrected. You come up resurrected. And I want to tell you, I've come resurrected. I'm resurrected in his presence. And there are things that happen in my life that just do not phase me. My capacity is increased. My my abilities have increased. I just don't get faced because I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. God is with you. Come on. So what does it look like going forward? Well, as we walk through that valley together and trusted the Lord over the course of 2020, at the end of the year, 2020, Christmas came. And in Nashville, Tennessee, it was almost like a sandwich, a demonic sandwich. You go on one side, you got the tornado that ripped through Nashville, then you got COVID, and then you have a bomb that goes off Christmas morning in Nashville, downtown, in an area that I used to work in, and it shut down over 40-something businesses. Not just shut them down, destroyed them. Completely destroyed 40-something businesses. Now, if that's not a prophetic picture of what is going on in the spirit that the enemy is shutting down small business. If this were a dream, what would it mean? That his target is small business. It's businesses. And big business went through the roof. Amazon, you know, all these different ones. Google, all the media, all that went through the roof. Small businesses are not allowed to operate. So then all of a sudden now we have to have the lens of the kingdom. What do we do? What do we do? 
Well, we've got to innovate. We've got to innovate in its kingdom time. Come on, are you hearing me? But as 2020 rolled to a close, 2021 came, something happened. And it was this inability to make phone calls. I was still into, into the new year unable to make phone calls on my cell phone. Did anybody experience that here as well? End of 2020? Okay. It was, it, I know that it was hitting all of Nashville and it was even reaching places like Indiana and other, other areas. And so what they were telling me is that when the bomb went off, it hit the AT&T building and it shut down the 911 call centers. So not only could you not call because certain lines were cut off, but 911 you couldn't reach. So everywhere there was uh, broadcasted the local police station's phone number, so just in case you did have to call, you couldn't call 911. And I said, Lord, what is that? And he said, this is the year where I want my people to call 911. I want my people to call 911. This is the 20th anniversary of 9-11. And so what we're coming into is a time where we need to call on the Lord, call 911. During the, uh, the election and when uh, things began to really boil and at the inauguration, I started having a slew of dreams about a bomb going off. And I had several of them, not just one, but several of them. And I put in a massive alert out on Facebook, and I said, guys, I never do this, but I've had multiple dreams about a bomb. I've seen it in detail. There's a bomb, and it's gonna, it, 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 they're in, there's one in a car. There's another in a basement. There's another. I've seen multiple dreams, and I want you to know this because I believe we can pray and stop this. I believe we can pray and stop this. Well, why was the National Guard released? They were released during the inauguration, but not the first week they had no, no weapons. Did you know that? But then they were weaponized because all of a sudden bomb threats were becoming real. And I, as someone, I don't get inside information and then prophesy, but when I say these things, people come to me. And a man that is very trusted, who has uh, people that I know, their service members, he reached out to me and he says, there was, there was three bombs planted in specific locations and they found them and uh, I believe our prayers have worked. I believe our prayers have worked. So we need to understand that this nation is under attack. This nation is under attack. It's under confusion. But yet we can still be happy in the midst of this. Listen, I'm not talking about singing happy songs on a sinking ship, okay? I'm talking about we can maintain the joy of the Lord. How does Paul do it when he is shipwrecked on Malta and he gets off? I mean, talk about a bad week. Paul gets off, he's like, whoa, we got shipwrecked. And he's going to this place called Eurocle, this, this, this place, Malta, but he, he's, he's trying to run from this storm called Euroclidon. Sounds like a, a virus, Euroclidon. And this, this nor'easter is coming at him and his, his men on the ship. And Paul does uh, something outrageous. 
He asked them to eat. How do you eat when you're in the middle of a desperate moment and you're thinking you're going to die? He asked them to eat. Break bread. I need you to eat. Is this not the kingdom? The kingdom is opposite. Jesus is asleep in the boat. Paul's holding a feast in the middle of a Euroclidon. He's like, we're going to eat. Because that's what Jesus would do. He would be asleep in this boat. He would be putting on a feast in this boat. We have to do the same thing. We're not of this world. Come on, are you hearing me? So God is calling us in this hour to be a blessing. To be a blessing. So what does he do? He says, break bread and eat. This is the secret to the open heaven. Break bread and eat. Elijah tells Ahab, he says, get up to your house and eat and drink because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Elijah had bowed his head between his knees. He put his head toward the earth. And how did he hear the sound of the abundance of rain? He listened to the ground because the ground started crying out for it. The ground cries out for the rain. When the ground is worked, the rain will come. Elijah digs a trench around this, this altar to hold two seeds of seed. He plants seed and then he calls rain. Before the rain comes, he tells Ahab, get up, eat and drink. Live as if you're in the breakthrough. Eat and drink. Are you hearing me? Listen, I remember the Lord, I was like, God, I am going to do a 21-day fast for you. Have you ever done that? You're like, this is for you, Lord. I'm doing this 21-day fast. It's not to lose weight. It's a side benefit, okay? <laughs> but I'm going to do this for you, 21 days, right? Now, I am the worst fasting person to be around. You do not want to be around me. Don't invite me to your conference while I'm fasting because I am grumpy. I am hangry. Okay. Yes, I'm an adult, but I also get hangry. Okay. How many relate to that? Right. And people are talking to you and you're just nervous the whole time. What is getting to me? I don't know. It's low insulin. And so I'm like, oh, Lord, help me, Jesus. This is like the morning of the first day. I woke up. I was like, <gasps> how many have ever been there? Listen, be honest. Be honest. The morning of the first day, I'm like, let's get through this. <laughs> I want you to know I probably ate like two whole pizzas the night before. <laughs> Just to prepare my body for this fast, right? For the Lord, guys. And so, <laughs> come on, if we're honest, we've been there. I've done it. And, 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 you know, but if you blend it, it's a smoothie. <laughs> right? If you blend it, it's a smoothie. You're like, turn that thing up to 10. Woo! This is going to be a frothy hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness I've, I've had it all I've done it all and so so my wife and I we were on a fast over the summer we were like 
let's do this fast. We were in San Diego, perfect weather for a fast, but we were fasting and we are like, okay. You know what we really need on this trip, this fasting, is a smoothie. Yeah, let's find one. And so we go, we find this, we Uber 20 minutes to this like special smoothie spot, right? You got to go up, there's visors everywhere, no one's, everyone's masked, triple masked, we're like, it's California, so we're all trying to talk and through this about the smoothie we want. And she's like, do you want the large or the extra large? I was like, extra large. Make it extra thick, and I want it extra large. You too, babe? Yes. So we're, we down the thing. She got her own. I got my own. We down the thing. We're done. We're sitting out there, and it's that nice San Diego weather. I look at her. She looks at me. I go, you think what I'm thinking? She goes, yeah. Hey, we'll take another of those extra large. Two more, please. (laughs) So back to my 21-day fast. So we go on this 21-day fast. I have an intern at this time, and I go, 21-day fast, we're doing it. You ready? He's like, do I have a choice? said, no, we're going after God, 21 days. You're with me. You're my intern. So, you know, we get on this, this 21-day thing, and we're all excited. And day four, the Lord tells me to break the fast. And he comes to me. Now, when you hear the Lord on day four, you have a lot of questions going on. Is this the Lord? Or is this the devil? Is this my flesh? What's going on here, right? How many relate to that, right? You're like, this is the devil. I know it. He's telling me to get a sandwich. I don't, I just, devil has really good recipes when you're on a fast, by the way. The devil is like, you should add a little pinch of cinnamon. <laughs> you're like, I never thought about that, devil. That's a great idea. And so, <laughs> so day four, I'm like, Lord, is that you? He goes, believe me, I have given it to you. I go, I'm asking you for something really specific. I need to know you've given it to me. He goes, I've given it to you. Do you believe? I said, yes. He goes, so eat the food. I want you to break the fast. I have given it to you. I want you to eat it in faith. See, it takes more fa- faith to break a fast than it does to complete a fast. Because when we complete a fast, we're like, well, I put in the time. Obviously, the Lord's going to reward me. As though I serve my prison sentence, now I'm going to get what belongs to me. It doesn't work like that. Fasting is about humility. It's not about anything else other than humility. It's there meant only to break your soul down to a humble place. So that the humble in heart can bless the Lord. That you can be humble. And it says the humble will hear of it and be glad. When the Lord is doing something, we'll be glad because we have humility in heart. I have friends that never fast. They have never fasted, but maybe even a half day in their life. But because they're so humble, the Lord uses them in so such mighty ways. That's not the prescription for their life. There's a humility that they carry. That they just... That's not the, their way to humility. It's already in them. But for me, I'm a, I got to 
rough exterior. I got things that the Lord has to break down. So I use it as a tool. I got, I got to get my heart in the right place at times. But when I'm on day four and the Lord says, eat the food, break the fast, I've given you what you've asked for. And I said, okay, Lord, okay. So Jesus, I believe in you. Now, day seven, my intern walks in the door of my office and I got a hoagie in my hand. I'm eating this hoagie and he's like a zombie. I'm sucking in face and also he's walking like this and I go, hey, what's up, buddy? He goes, what's that in your hand? I said, it's a hoagie. He said, what are you doing? I said, the Lord broke the fast on day four. He goes, are you kidding me? I said, yeah, you didn't hear the Lord? He said, no. I said, look, man, you got to hear the Lord. Okay, listen. (laughs) You got to hear the Lord. You're not listening. (laughs) It's rough being an intern of mine, okay? Don't ever sign up to be my intern. Let me do you a favor. I'm going to say no if you ask me to be my intern for your sake, okay? <laughs> so, he, I got the breakthrough. I got exactly what I was asking the Lord for. The Lord came through and gave me the miracle that I was asking for. Now, if he had told me to complete the 21 days, would I? Yes. Would I have? Absolutely. Would I, and I've done it before. But if, I've, if I hear the Lord to tell me to break the fast on a day, it's not because I'm being in sin. I'm being in faith. I'm being in faith. Listen, and when Elijah says to Ahab, the drought is broken, eat, drink, because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Why is he saying that? Listen. God wants to bless you, and your blessing is a breakthrough. Your blessing is a breakthrough. He gives you seed to sow and bread to eat. You hearing me? So we've got to learn how to bring about, you know, the world, this whole thing of manifesting. Everybody's into manifesting now. It's like the big topic in the new age. You know how to manifest? I was like, what, what? Yes, I do, but what are you talking about? Like, you know, man, you didn't manifest that? I'm like, I ain't letting manifest come around me. What are you talking about? I, and, and so, but there's this whole thing where what you wish will come true, the universe will give it to you, all that type of stuff. Listen, you don't want what the universe can give to you. You want what God can give to you. Because the universe is going to give you some bad trouble. But when you're in the kingdom and under his covering, he says, I'm going to protect you under the shadow of my wings. I'm going to give you blessing. I'm going to bless you and multiply you. And through you, all nations will be blessed. So now we're into 2021, and we're coming to a a new season of time where the church is being reawakened. And at the reawakening, there's also the reimagining of what the church is. But the church is... Not just called to be a gathering place, but the church is also called to go out into the world. It can be a gathering place, and I believe in that. 
I do, not, I do not believe that any seat in the house of God should be empty. We need to have a full house, absolutely, 100%. I do not believe you can get online what you can get in here. You can't get online what you get in here. Listen, and I bless those who are watching online right now. I hope you get what's in here. But I know that you have to sometimes get close to the anointing. And that, that anointing is related to proximity. Your breakthrough is related to proximity. Your relationships are related to proximity. So whoever you're most close to, that's your relationship. Well, whoever you're most kin to, that's your relationship. Wherever you, you sit under, that's the anointing that you flow out of. So sometimes you gotta get there. What is Elijah? He, what does he do? He, listen, remember when God sends Elijah to the widow? But he actually asked Naaman to go to Elisha. Elijah is sent to the widow, and that's awesome, because sometimes a prophet will show up at your door, and you're in the middle of a crisis, and you need a breakthrough. Other times, you have to go to where breakthrough is. And you got to get in that place, in that presence, in, that, in, in, in the zone, in the proximity. And what does he do? Elisha stays in place. He doesn't go to Naaman. Naaman comes to him. And Naaman says, what do I got to do? And he says, you got to wash in the Jordan seven times. He goes, no, do that thing where you wave your hand over me. I've seen it on TBN. Do it like that. <laughs> he, said, he says, no, it don't, it don't work like that. It don't work like that. I need you to do this. So as they're getting away, guess what happens? Naaman's servant says, if he asked you to do a hard thing, would you have not done it? Why don't you go do that? He goes and he bathes in the muddy Jordan and his sores are healed. His leprosy is gone from him. So listen, this is a year where you're gonna have to discern whether or not people are supposed to come to you or you're supposed to go to the people. This is a year where you have to discern whether you're supposed to watch that online or you're supposed to go in-house. You have to learn how to navigate in this season. I gotta learn how to navigate in this season because there's a lot of people that will contact me and say, now that we're comfortable with Zoom, can you just do a Zoom thing with us? And, and I go, I just can't do it. I can't give you the same thing that you can get when I'm there. I'd love to do it. That'd be awesome. I just have a pre-recorded thing that I play every time. You know, it's, you know, it's easy, right? No. The kingdom of God is not that. We gotta get to where God, listen, that's just one of the dimensions of connection, but as people get further connected, they'll be in-house. But what is the blessing? That as we grow in our priestly call, we also will grow in our kingly call. We are called a priest in the house of God, but we also need to learn how to be kings out in the marketplace. If you can be a priest in the secret place and a king in the marketplace, God will use you in this hour. But it's interesting that kings kill priests. Priests don't kill kings. You watch in the scriptures, kings kill priests. 
And if you're not careful, the king in you will kill the priest in you. Because that marketplace call is so demanding. So what do you got to do? Learn to love the secret place. You do the marketplace, but love the secret place. It's the secret place of his presence. It's where he gives you the fresh manna for your life. So he's calling us to the secret place and the marketplace. It's not either or, it's both. But I'm going to wear a different hat when I'm in the marketplace. In the marketplace, I put on my super suit. In the secret place, I put on the ephod. I don't wear the same outfit in the mark as I do. Hey, Jesus, here I am, your apostle. Uh, he's like, no, I need you my priest right now. I need you my priest. You could be a priest before me. So where are we at? God is reawakening us. There's a reimagining taking place, but we're also recognizing the different faces of who we are with the unveiled face. The mask that has been on us for many years, not in COVID, but many have been wearing masks for many years. They're coming off of us. We've been wearing masks. People have been asking you, how you doing? And you're not doing so well. You're like, praise the Lord, I'm doing great. That's not going to work in this new season. You got to reach out. Okay? But when you can wear what God has put upon you, you get in that new face that he's placed in you. The unveiled face is the transformation that you go from glory to glory and now you're bearing his image in the marketplace. You're bearing his image in your family life. You're bearing his image everywhere. You're carrying his image and, and Jesus will look like a lion to one. He'll look like an eagle to another. When John sees him, he's the lamb, but as he said, they said, behold the lamb and then he looks closer it's, and it's the lion, but it's the lamb. And it's the lion and the lamb. It's Jesus. So we have to understand we're being transformed and there's a new face that he wants to put on the church. It's not a facelift. Come on, it's not a facelift. It is a new face. It's the unveiled face. Because we've been hiding. So when God comes and unveils us, we're going to start to express the kingdom of God in different ways and gifts that have been hidden for a long time. Now, all of a sudden, people that recognize you in one category are going to see you in a different category. It's like Joseph when he had his gift shift. When Joseph had his gift shift, he was the dream interpreter. Imagine Joseph's, it's like his, he's got his own .com, josephsdreams.com. You know, like people come to him, but as soon as he shifts... He's in that high place. He has an unveiled face. And what happens? He has to shave his face. His unveiled face. He shaves his face and now has put a ring and a robe on him. And now he is the most powerful man in all of the world. He's in that most, the, the most powerful society in the world. He would have been the ruler of the world in his day. He was a father to Pharaoh. And this is what he says. He says, all this evil has happened to me. And what you meant for evil, God meant for good, that I might be a father to Pharaoh. So what does it look like when you experience the unveiled face? 
God raises you up so that you begin to step into your father role, your mother role, who you are as a father and a mother. And all of a sudden now you've got adoption, kids that you're adopting, people you're adopting, you're, 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 you're taking care of people and helping them to grow, fostering them in their call. That's the kingdom, but it's the unveiled face. And I know this. I talked to a very good friend of mine, and I said, why do you think that the Lord kept you, and, and now you're, it's like you were unknown for many years, and all of a sudden now you're known all around the world. You were an unknown quantity. No one knew about you. God just kept you hidden for years and years and years. And now it's like everything is being presented to you. He goes, I could tell you what happened to me. He says, all of a sudden, this father thing came on me. He said, it was like all of a sudden I was a father. Not just to my kids, but to people. And he said, when that happened, the world opened up to me. The world opened up. It was like all of a sudden all this favor came. And I could feel it. I felt the Father in me for others to love on them like the Father would. And to act. I have this Father love for all these people. And I, I'm, I've seen it over and over. The Father moved through him, and I go, I want the Father like that man has the Father. Have you ever seen someone have that? And listen, the Father can move through you as well, ladies. It's not, it's not about your... your you know, identity. It's about who he is. And so he will move through you. And you can be a, a spiritual father to people around you that, you know, I've been a spiritual father in my life to people twice my age at times. And they would say, you're, you're my spiritual father. And I, and I go, I don't even know how to uh, agree with that. I just, just call me your brother. You know, I'm, a, I'm, more, I'm more comfortable with that. But I've learned in the last year or so that God is raising me up as a father and God is raising many of us up as fathers and mothers. He's doing this and we have to just lean into it. And it looks different for us in this season than it did in the past. And so I'm cheering on the next generation. Come on, are you hearing me? I'm I'm cheering on the next generation. So here's... What I want to tell you, Joseph's dreams became a reality when Joseph interpreted the dreams of others. Joseph's dreams became a reality when Joseph learned how to interpret the dreams of others. There are so many others in our life that have dreams. And you have the ability to bring their dream to real meaning. You might not be able to make it happen, but you can actually help them understand it. But when you start helping others get their dream and understand their dream, then your dreams are going to become a reality. It's the multiplication of the kingdom. It's the the reciprocity of the kingdom. That you have the ability to help others, and then all of a sudden God manifests something through you. That's what I've seen over and over. I know we all admire Bill Johnson, and, and, and I've gotten to know Bill Johnson over the years, on and off, and you know, see him here and there and talk to him. But 
One thing that's amazing about Bill is not, not Bill, but all the people around him. Bill and Benny, they've raised up amazing people. It's the people around them that make Bill and Benny, Bill and Benny. It's like, there it is. There's the fruit. Randy Clark, one of my great heroes and fathers in the faith. The amount of people he's touched and the lives he's touched. I look at that and I go, that's what I want to be. The father has moved through him. And people like Leif Hetland would, t- would say, Randy Clark laid his hands on me and everything changed. His involvement in my life, everything changed. I've heard that story over and over and over. But that story is going to be said about you. That people are going to say, you know, when you came in my life, things changed. When you spoke that word to me 10 years ago, things changed. One of my favorite emails to get is the email that always starts off with, hey, Jamie, we never met, but you spoke this word over me 10 years ago. Like, I'm like, okay. And then they go on, I want to see it, and then all of a sudden they tell me the rest of the story and how it came to pass. And I'm like, man, that is awesome. I'm rejoicing with you. I'm rejoicing with you. Come on, isn't that good? So here's what I want to do. I want to pray with you. I want to believe God that he's going to speak to you. I want to believe God that in this season of your life that things are going to begin to change and shift. You can call 911 and call on the Father. You might be on that roller coaster named Tornado right now. But you can call on the Father and he will answer. He will he will answer. He will answer. I love it when I, you hear the 911. 911, what's your emergency? Right? What's your emergency? Could you identify that? And you have to quickly identify it. All they heard was screams on the other side of that phone. <laughs> Guy's like, are you okay? I'm okay. I was on a roller coaster. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh, so you could call 911. You could call on the Lord, and he will answer you. He'll come near you, okay? But in the same way, listen, this year doesn't have to be all crisis. Hallelujah. This is breakthrough. How many have had significant breakthroughs this year in your life, in, whether it's your marriage or your business or, or your health? So many breakthroughs. I, I, I've talked to so many people where they're like, wow, this year was a year I got my health back on track. And I started getting on the treadmill, just doing 10-minute walks, 20-minute walk. All of a sudden, boom, things began to change for me. I got one guy who's on my Instagram, and he's a, he's a good dude. And I, I watch him. I follow him. And he's always in the gym. And he's going for it. And he's going from, he lost over 100 pounds, I think 150 pounds. And he's like, I'm just, I'm going for it, Jamie. I'm like, yes, you are. And he's like, every day, just pushing it, pushing himself. He's like, check out these results. I'm like, yes. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Because he wakes up and he's now a blessing. He doesn't think he is worthless. He did something with himself. And he goes, I'm going to do this. I'm going to get some oxygen in me. And then he can be a blessing to the world around him. And so this has been a year where many of us have breakthroughs 
in, in our physical well-being. And we've, we've changed, we've transformed. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's the kingdom. How would anyone not want to be a part of this kingdom? You know, when, when you look at the stories of Jesus, it, we're talking about tax collectors wanting to sit with Jesus. We're talking about the worst of the worst wanting to sit with Jesus. Why are they wanting to sit with Jesus? Because they knew Jesus, it just felt right to be in his presence. It was good. It was, it was not just necessary. It was good. He was important, and he had something special that made you feel special. Jesus treated people like VIP, Zacchaeus. You know, the only thing that people looked at in Zacchaeus was his bald spot. They would, he was short. He was despised. And, he, and then Jesus says, I'm coming to your house. You can imagine the Pharisees are all like, <gasps> he cannot go to that man's house. He goes, I'm coming to your house today. And guess what Jesus does? He turns a tax burden into an investment vehicle. Zacchaeus goes, here's what I'm going to do, Jesus. I'm going to take all the money that I've, oh, I've taken from people unlawfully. I'm going to give it back to him with interest. Could you imagine all of a sudden you get a paycheck from your local tax, you know, all of a sudden, and it's with interest, and it's like, hey, I met a man named Jesus. Here's a check. Wouldn't you want to meet that Jesus? That's what Jesus does when he goes to a city, when he goes to a town. He makes that town better. How? That's, that's the stuff. We become so hyper-focused on, on, on the resurrections that Jesus did, and we now have classes on resurrections. And listen, I don't want to know how to just minister to dead people. I want to know how to minister to living people. Now, I've seen resurrection of the dead, but that's like 1% of my life is spent around dead people, raising them from the dead. 99% of my life is around living people, and I want to minister to those people like the Zacchaeus. It's all the more remarkable that Jesus raised the dead, and when I hear a resurrection from the dead, I am so grateful. Praise God, that blows me away that our God is the only God who can raise from the dead. No other religion can, can say that. No, no, no one, no, no other religion can come close to saying that. The, 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 the closest they get is pet cemetery. It's like, you know, you don't want that, okay? But I want my kitty. No, you don't want your kitty, okay? But when you get a resurrection from the dead, Jesus style, it's not pet cemetery. It's the real person. They come back with stories from the grave. Stories of the living God. Oh, man. One of my uh, friends was telling me the story of, about one of his friends that had uh, NDE. He died, and he got resurrected on a table, actually a hospital table, in front of a doctor. And the doctor uh, was operating on him in the middle of it. He's dead, fully dead. And all of a sudden, guy rose from the dead while the doctor's operating on him. And he's like, What? And so the man went on, lived his life, sewed him back up, like, like crazy, right? And so the, 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 this is what they, the man said after he resurrected from the day of his story. He says, the first thing they say to you 
when you're in heaven is, have you seen the one? Have you seen the one? Whoo, does that give you the chills? Have you seen the one? And they're like, he's like, the one? Who's the? Oh, you have to see the one. You have to go see him. He's there. Go see the one. And it's Jesus on the throne. He's seated in his glory. He's the one, and all eyes are on him. Oh, everyone's serving him day and night. The angels and the saints are, are applauding him, worshiping him, telling of his word, telling of his testimony day and night. He's the one. Woo! And that's the image we're called to carry in this world. What does it say? As he is, so are we in this world. Not as he was, but as he is. As he is, so are we in this world. Listen, you glow in the dark. People do double takes when they look at you. Because they're like, listen, I, I, I always say, uh, you know, when, I, when the Lord blesses you, you're going to be snapping necks. Snapping necks. People are going to be doing double takes. Like, oh, ow. I just, snapping necks. God wants to make you a blessing. And listen, when people, do, when people see that, I remember when I was working in the restaurant back in 2000, and, uh, it would have been 2007, when I was working in a restaurant. The owner of the restaurant brought me aside, and he would bring me up into his, uh, his, his office. And this restaurant was a big deal. It, it was, did $20 million in sales every year. It was a big, big volume restaurant, high volume and so he brought me up in his, in his office, and he was an owner of the restaurant. He didn't really run it. He just owned it, and he would come in, uh, fly in from California, and I was in Nashville, and he would want to talk to me. It was very weird, and he would, and he would want to talk to me, and he'd say, you know, we're not very different, you and I. He was a Hindu, and, and he's like, I want, him, I want you to star in my movies. He was a Hindu. He wanted to do Bollywood films and stuff like that. I'm like, I am not. What? Like, <laughs> I was like, but he's like, you, you and I, we're, we're the same. We're go, we, 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 we have, we're religious, and we're good people. And I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. You know, and then he would give me, he would give me uh, gift cards and and bless me. And he'd go, you're the, you, you are. The best, there's such a blessing that you brought. He would literally tell me this. Ever since you've been here, there's such a blessing on this place. And our sales have gone up through the roof. I was just a simple server there. When I left that place, I started getting phone calls from him. A year after, I was already serving in ministry. Traveled up to Pennsylvania. Uh, Randy Clark put me on staff. I was directing the prophetic ministry there. This is my son. He came up to get saved. Uh, sit down right here, buddy. And so, so when I was up there, I get a phone call. It's from the owner. Hey, uh, really want you. We're starting this new restaurant in Florida. I want you to run it for me. He was still coming after me. This is what God's going to do in your life. People are going to call you. They probably already have call you and say, I need you back in this business. I want to offer you a better opportunity, a better position. 
a better place of ownership. Come on, let's believe for that this week. Listen, I'm not, putting, I'm not saying sometime in the future. This week, I'm going to prophesy over you that this week there are going to be people that call you and they're going to say to you, come back. We want you. We got a better opportunity for you, a better position for you. It's better bonuses, better pay, better vacation structure, all that stuff. We need you back. It could be a relationship. It could be a bunch of different things. But God is going to put you on their mind. He's going to cause you to be remembered before them. This is a kingdom. Someone's going to remember you. I remember when uh, last year I called Larry Randolph on the phone. God TV wanted me to do a 2020 prophetic special. And so they had a bunch of different people lined up. And, um, and, and, and so uh, one thing led to another. We, we filmed it at my friend's church in Texas. And we did this 2020 prophetic thing. And he called me on the phone. And he said, hey, we're doing this thing. And it's going to be big. It's going to be prophetic about the year. Who do you believe we should have on this thing? And I said, Larry Randolph. Larry Randolph. He is the man when it comes to the word of the Lord for the year. He has been so spot on so many times. I've watched it over and over. He is the man. He is the real deal. So I call Larry. And I said, Larry, what are you doing? He's like, I almost died. Like, <laughs> he's always got a story of I almost died. And so I'm like, Larry, well, you got, listen, you got a couple things left to do in life. Listen, one of them is this thing that <laughs> I need you to do, okay? And he's like, what is it? I said, it's this we're going to do a prophetic summit. It's going to be a 2020 on God TV. We're going to do it. It's going to go around the world, and I need you to release your word for the year. He says, Jamie, three days ago, I was asking the Lord, does anybody remember me? Does anybody remember me? And he says, and Jamie, the Lord told me that he was going to remind someone of me. And he said that it would be like the butler and before Pharaoh and I was Joseph and the butler was going to remember me. And I said, well, I'm your butler. And he says, last two years, no one's asked me to give a word of the Lord for the year. But I asked the Lord, is that off my life or is it still on my life? And the Lord told him, nope, it's still on your life and I'm going to cause someone to remember you. And he goes from Obscurity to a world stage to release his word. And his word has been phenomenal. I want to tell you his word. His word was build a boat because there's a storm coming. Build a boat. There's a storm coming. He gave this in January 2020. He said, build a boat. There is a storm coming. And like Noah, if we build the boat, we'll be on that boat. We'll be safe. And the storm will come. And whoever's with us on that boat will be safe while the storm is happening. Build your boat. God is saying, build your boat. What is that boat? There are things that God wants to give you that are pandemic proof. You have the ability to withstand. You have immunity in the pandemic. Hallelujah. Physical immunity in the pandemic. In Jesus' name. 
right? That God would protect you, not cause harm to come near you at all, nor anyone you love. Physical immunity. Thank you, Jesus. I speak it. Listen, I believe God wants to give you an amazing immune system. He, have, he already has. But even more, you've got the blood of Jesus running through your veins. you got kingdom DNA. And yeah, there have been pastors who have been taken out by this. There have been people, good Christian people that have been taken out by this. I'm not letting that thing determine or define my, my understanding of what's going on. I'm just going to go, God, thank you for your protection. I stay in the shadow of your presence. Come on. How many are agreeing with me on this word? How many are going to build your boat? You need to ask the Lord for the lumber. You need to ask the Lord for the workers. You need to ask the Lord for the blueprints. Lord, I'm going to build my boat. Well, it might be too late. No, it's never too late. It's never too late. It's only too late when it's too late. It's not too late. You can build your boat. Your boat might be a business that helps people in the middle of a trial. Your boat could be that new school. I have friends in Oklahoma during the pandemic when the schools, all the schools were shut down, they started a school. They started a school when the schools were shut down and they said, well, we've been open and we just started contacting parents and we wanted to put a school together and within a matter of weeks, we put a school together I think they have something around 100 students now. So God will give you an idea. And they put their their team together, and now they have a school. So what does that look like? That's an ark. That's a boat. Build your ark. That'll protect those kids. Listen, I, I can't tell you the madness I felt in my heart when my kids are being asked, do you or anyone you know have COVID-19? I'm like, ask me. Don't look at them and ask them. Ask me. And they have to ask them. It's not under the parents. The parents are not. It's like, okay, we've transitioned from one state to another state. But now the questions aren't being asked of the parents. It's being asked of the children. Okay? And we did not lie. We would, we would share the truth. If somebody had a headache, somebody had a headache. If somebody had a fever, somebody had a fever. But we pleaded the blood of Jesus. Come on, we pleaded the blood of Jesus, and our house was protected. So we're believing God. We're going to go forward, move forward. It's a year for the kings to emerge in the marketplace. Now the church is going to have to reshift its priorities from gleaning from kings to leaning into kings. So we've resourced from kings in the church, but we now have to shift from resourcing from kings to resourcing kings. Do you see the difference? So the kings that God has established in our house, they're out in the marketplace, and we've trained them that the only way you relate to this, mark, this, this house is to bring your resource into this house. But we need to begin to release intercessors to their businesses. We need to begin to assign prayer teams to pray for the success of their business. 
We need to say, who do you need? What kind of employees do you need? We're going to look for them in our church. We're going to find the best of the best and supply you with them. Who do you need? We're, 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 we're setting this up that our people would be in your, in your business, that, our, that you would not fail, that you would prosper. This is the future where we begin to have a, a voice in culture, where we begin to actually communicate the kingdom into culture. And we bring our light into culture. And so the partnership has been lopsided. We now need to even out this partnership. There's still people that are called in here. Listen, Pastor Andre, are you here? Is he here? He, I was there two weeks ago at his house and his church. And he, he, he shared publicly of a prophecy that I gave to him about a building coming and that he was going to receive a building debt-free. And he says, I received that. How many years ago was that? It's quite some time. Five years ago, and he got the building two years ago. And it's debt-free. But guess what? Somebody wrote a $500,000 check for him to pay that building, which is over $1.2 million. And, uh, and, and it's probably even more than that. I mean, now it's probably way more than that. But he got such a discount, but so one person wrote a $500,000 check. Wow. Now, I don't know about you, but I love $500,000 checks. <laughs> they bless me. Okay? But I'm also going to believe God that I can write those $500,000 checks, not just receive them. Okay? I want to be on the other side of the table and believe God. Come on, Jesus. Give me the ability to write that $500,000 check. If you're in here and you're saying, God, I'm believing for that, that I would be able to write that $500,000 check, raise your hand. I'm not going to take an offering right now, but raise your hand, okay? I believe that this church is going to be so financed in the next year that every single project will be paid for at the beginning of the year. At the beginning of the year. That this church is going to be so financed with everything that they need that the beginning of the year is going to set the pace for the rest of this decade. That we're going to begin to see the blessing come in. But as the blessing goes out, the blessing comes back in. Bring your blessing to the house of God. Bring your blessing to the house of God. Don't think your blessing is meaningless. Bring your blessing to the house of God. Lord, all I have is this. All I have. Bring your blessing to the house of God. Let the Lord have it. And when it happens, you're going to see him multiply it. You're going to see that seed that you sow multiply. Bring your blessing to the house of God. I've never met a generous person, a person of great generosity, who ever regretted being generous. I never met one. 
No one have I ever talked to have ever said, man, I regret being so generous in my life. It's a generosity coming. It's a move of God called generosity. Let's believe God for that. Amen. Lord, we receive you. Right now, this is, there he is. There's a presence like rain, like dew, like mist coming upon us right now. It's the presence. It's the presence of glory. It's his goodness. It's his mercy. The heavens are open. Lord, let your light shine down. Let rays of light be seen. The open heaven in this house, Father. Jesus, we delight in you, Jesus. Whoa, there it is, there it is. There it is, double it, Lord. Pastors, David, Kath, I just see on you in this season that there's a combination of investment that the Lord is going to have you make. It's the next generation and it's these leaders in the next generation and they're they're not knowing their leadership yet, but they are going to find their leadership in this season. And I see a, a just a, a select group where they're just in this in they're they're in community in fellowship with you just to have a meal, just to come over and learn and and think about how they can become leaders and just relish in the love of God. I see this. And it's to raise up the generations in the house of God. I also see a a business community being raised up in this house where marketplace ministers can connect with each other and that you can foster that. You'll You're not just going to be a voice. You're going to be a platform for them. And it's a platform for them to connect. It's a place for them to connect and to begin a dream about how they're going to bring revitalization to this city and revitalization to the community and and create new opportunities and and new ways of doing things and and, and new experiences for those within this community. I also feel... You know, in society, this is a very interesting thing, but in society, um, while we're all about the youth, the Christian church has also always been about their senior members. Always. It's been the hallmark of the house of God. And so there's something in society that is now becoming evidence in all society. It used to be that the seniors of uh, historically Rome, all the they just you know had no use anymore. But the church began to have a different story, a different narrative. And uh, one of the things that the church did was to care for the elderly, care for people in uh, uh, you know crippling situations, all sorts of different things that was never heard of in society before until the church came about. But I feel there's something on this house specifically for the senior members of God's kingdom. And I'm, I'm irritated because there is, you know, when you look at this virus, one of the predominant things that is who, who it's tried to take out is people over 50 and even more people over 60. And one of the biggest things that happened in COVID that got my attention was 
the retirement home conundrum of people forced in retirement homes into basically a, a, a death sentence. Absolutely tragic. Absolutely horrible. That should not be so. That has become no news. That has become no news. And I watched as something absolutely disgusting. And there was a grandmother and their, her, her daughter had to say goodbye to her through the window of the senior citizen's home because she wasn't allowed to go in. Oh my goodness. I feel like this house has something special to take care of people in elderly situations and that do it kingdom way. That it adds like Hezekiah 20 years to his life that all of a sudden the 20 years are added because of the way we're taking care of people. Come on. Lord, do that in our day. I'm speaking this as a prophetic word. And if you can catch this, the Lord is on it. If you can catch this, because there's a Hezekiah generation that God wants to raise up, where they think it's the end of their life. Pack your bags, it's time to go. And the Lord says, 20 more years, I'll turn back the sun. I'll turn back the sun. What would it look like if all of a sudden 20 more years added to your life? Jesus come. That's a good word. Come on and take it. I'm taking it right now for me. I turned 40 this year. I'm taking it for me. I'm like, look, I'm believing for 120. I don't know about you, but I'm going to die of a ripe old age. Okay? I'm a diver. I'm a, I don't even want my foot to twitch. I want, I want everything to be working well. And I, I'll just, I'll be happy. I'll be happy. That's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God wants us to prosper. Pray that prayer, that Jabez prayer right now. Lord, make me a blessing that I may cause no pain. Increase me that I may cause no pain. Cause me to be a blessing. Bless me that I might be a blessing. Do you feel that right now? Jesus, we release that in this room right now. The blessing is here. Just reach up and grab it. Just reach up and grab it. The blessing is here. The breakthrough is here. Holy Spirit, come. Fill us. Fill us with your blessing. Fill us with your blessing. Lord, let the open heavens come. Can I share a dream I had with you? In this dream, I was sitting in the back of a bus. And I, come up here, buddy. I was sitting in the, can you make it, man? Okay. Uh, I was sitting in the back of a bus. And so I, I'm in this bus, and I look up. I'm all the way at the back. There's no one else in the bus but just me. And there is a bus driver. And I, I looked up at the front, and he's driving the bus. He's going forward, and I'm all the way at the back, like where there's the window, and you can see out the back. And all of a sudden, the bus driver turns around and 
gives me the biggest grin. He smiles so big and he says, watch this. He puts it in reverse and he starts driving so fast in reverse at top speed. I'm all the way in the back and even though I'm in the back, I've now got a front row experience of this bus driver putting it in reverse. I'm watching. He is dodging cones. He is like moving through through this lane. It's perfect. His driving is perfect. And I go, oh Lord, what are you doing? The scene shifts. It's like I'm in another dream. I'm in a second dream. Now I'm in a train. And I'm all the way at the back of the train. For some reason, this long train, I have zoom vision and I can see the conductor driving this train. And as I zoom in, I look, the conductor turns around and it's this bus driver. I was like, no. And he goes, watch this. And he puts it in reverse and he starts going at top speed with the train in reverse. (laughs) I thought we were going to derail, but we went top speed in reverse and nothing happened. That was bad. Everything went flawless. What is the Lord saying? That he's about to put things in reverse. God's going to put things in reverse. God's going to put it in reverse in your life. Well, you felt like there was no way God can reverse this. God's going to reverse it. And he's going to do it at top speed. Come on, can you, rever- can you believe God? I want you to say that out loud. God's going to put this thing in reverse. Okay, sit down right here. Lest they think I'm a bad dad. Sit down in Jesus' name. (laughs) Okay. We are Christians. Okay. (laughs) I have another dream. In this dream, I'm driving in the most treacherous mountain with my father-in-law. My father-in-law is a race car driver, a real race car driver. He raced quarter-mile drag. He was, he'd helped develop quarter-mile drag in Detroit. He was the, one of the founders and, 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 and helped begin that whole thing, and now it's a phenomenon. He's on you know, Hot Rod magazines all over the world. He's, he's an amazing guy, and he's just this genius of a guy. So we're driving in this big truck, like semi-truck, Huge through this treacherous mountain, and he's going at top speed through the mountain. And I'm in the passenger seat, and I'm looking, and there's no rails. It's like, oh, I'm gonna die. And, and he's not even thinking twice. He's everything is on point. He's flying at top speed in this in, in the semi on this treacherous mountain. And we get down to the end of the road. We get down to the bottom of the mountain and there's a, a light and I notice that we stop on a dime at the light when it turns red. He's got this incredible ability and then when it turned green, he had this incredible ability to read the light and, and move forward and go. 
And so I told my wife about this, and she says, well, that's his number one thing that he was known for, that he could, he, he, I don't know what they call it, breaking the light. He had the ability to break the light that when it goes from red to yellow to green, he could hit go at the exact moment that was necessary, and that's what gave him his edge above everybody else and gave him a lot of first uh, uh, finishing wins. And so he, he had this ability, they call it, to cut the light. And so I I was like, oh my goodness, I had a dream about that. But here's what happened. At the end of it, I got out of the truck and I, this, this big semi, I got out and I was like barreled over like, oh my goodness, dad, you're going to kill us. Are you kidding me? You're going to kill us. And he looks at me, he goes, don't you know that I'm an expert driver? In that moment, moment, I knew it was the father. It wasn't my father-in-law. It was my father, my heavenly father. And he goes, don't you know I'm an expert driver? And I went, oh, that's what I have ahead of me. God's driving this thing. And even though I feel like I'm on a treacherous place and I'm in the mountain that I could fall off the cliff at any moment, God's an expert driver. He knows how to cut the light. He know, his timing is perfect. If God needs to put it in reverse, he will. But he is an expert driver, and there's no reason we should ever doubt him. Come on. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for this season of life that we've been called to for great breakthrough. And the doors are opening in this time for incredible things. What's your, what's your name, buddy? Brad, have I ever ministered to you, Brad? No? Okay. Uh, and Brad, is, do you know these people? Okay, that's your wife? Okay. I didn't want to make it awkward, so I just kind of <laughs> approached that, you know. I was like, you're very close to her, sir. That better be your wife, or you're going to have the pastor on you. So, though, so, uh, I'm joking. So Brad, and what's your name? Brad and Amy. Lord, we thank you for Brad and Amy and the incredible things. Brad, I feel like God has revived you in your body. And he's rejuvenated you in your physical well-being. He has brought life into you. And it's almost like he's brought you out of death into life. And now he's going to do things. He's going to add years to your life. And you're going to begin to see the new things that he's adding to you. It's going to cause a shift for many people around you. And so I want you to get ready because this is that new day that you're stepping into. Lord, we thank you for that. And for Amy, and God is speaking about you, Amy. I feel like there's been deals taken from you. And it's almost like years ago, contracts were stolen from you. And the Lord's saying that he's bringing those contracts back and you're going to begin to get credit where credit is due. You're going to reap and it's going to be with interest. I prophesy this over you. I speak it over you. Let it come now in Jesus' name. And that years would be added to your life. You would double. You would multiply. And the things that you've touched will, will begin to prosper in this season. I bless you in Jesus' name. 
I feel like for both of you, it's like the Lord's bringing you into a good land. And he's bringing you into a land, and it's a, it's a land of pasture. And you're going to see a land of pasture, and it's, it's his good land. It's a, it's a green land. And so he's saying this year is a time where he's going to bring you into a green land, a, 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 a land of pasture, and you're going to find uh, peace and pasture there. He's going to teach you some things about uh, how to pastor and how to be shepherds in the house of God. But I feel this, this new season is for you to rest and receive as you're entering into the new. I bless that in Jesus' name. Amen. Is that okay? Awesome. Okay. Very cool. And uh, do you know somebody that had a heart attack, or or any anybody around? Did somebody around here just have a heart, or or know somebody that had a heart attack? I had a word about a heart attack. Does that make sense to anybody? Heart attack. You have heart heart surgery coming up, John. Let's pray. Father's going to do it. Father's going to do it. And here's how it works for me. When I walk past people, all of a sudden I'll just start to hear things and I have to know, okay, which one of these people is that person? And so, thank you, Lord, for John's heart right now is coming to full life in every level. And I feel like this, the Lord's going to strengthen it, strengthen your, your cardiovascular system. He's going to strengthen your valve He's going to reconnect things, and you're going to begin to see your heart's going to beat. It's not going to be at 50%. It's going to be at 100%. And so I see God is resetting this in your body, and it's this reset. And so I bless it in Jesus' name. I bless your heart in Jesus' name. And I I, I feel God's protection has been all over you, guarding you as if you've caught this at the right time. And, and God is protecting you, and he's going to align you to health in this season. He's going to assign angels of health to you, and they're going to minister health to you. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for that right now in Jesus' name. The breakthrough. We prophesy that. We prophesy that. You know, I was in a meeting in... Um, Washington or DC area. And I was in a meeting in DC area and I saw this young man and the Lord showed me in a vision that an angel had touched his heart uh, three times in his mother's womb. And I, and I prophesied to him, I said, you had had, when you were born, you had three uh, like lesions or lashes on your heart and they said it was three heart attacks. He said, yes. I said, and you survived three heart attacks in the womb. Is that true? He said, yes. I said, those are actually three touches by an angel. And God has marked your heart with that. He's given you a brave heart. See, God's after your heart. Amen. But Lord, strengthen my heart on every level. Strengthen my heart on every level. We thank you for that strength. This is a new day. Come on, say, strengthen my heart. Give me a strong heart, a brave heart, a courageous heart. Thank you, Jesus. 
Lord, more. In this place, God, flood us with your light. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And what, what's your name, sir? Bruce, have I ministered to you before, right? Okay. And this is your wife. What's your name? Bruce and Mara. Thank you for Bruce and Mara, Lord. Thank you for the amazing things you've done to protect them and to, to uh, even just to prosper them. Lord, I thank you that they've, they've kept themselves. Lord, from, I feel like God says he's kept you from bad dealings and bad opportunities. And you've known when to say no and you know when to say yes. And God has given to you both the yes and the no. Oh, I like how you're wearing black and you're wearing white. It's like the yes and the no. And that's the white stone, the black stone. It's like this yes and no. And that you two are a dynamic team together. And that you know how to process things. And whether they're yes and no. And so this year, I feel like the, all the promises of God are yes and amen. And they're going to be poured out on you, multiplied, and you're going to see they're going to be the manifold blessings. The manifold blessings. The multiplication of the blessings. And so this year, Lord, for this couple, we speak it. We say, let it come, Lord. Let it come. Lord, assign blessing to them for the generations in Jesus' name. For the generations in Jesus' name. I see it. I, I feel like you too have been, that been having these talks. And it's about your life and your legacy and things about that nature of those things. And I, I can see you too having these talks over coffee and sitting there and you're just going, what is our life? And I just feel like the Lord's saying, he's so pleased with the legacy and that you're going to see there is a hall of people in your legacy that are coming up right now, generations coming up right now, and they're, they're standing before the Lord as a, as a token of your investment. And you're going to see them in your day. You're going to watch them have great victories. And I feel like you're going to be the ones at the Olympics that are right there at the finish line cheering them on and saying, yes, go for it. Go for the gold. And God's raised up these Olympians He's raised them up, and he's raised them up with the champion spirit, and they're running the race. It's this hall of these champions that are going to come up before you. Father, I bless them both in Jesus' name. I bless them both in Jesus' name. Wow. Wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I love those pictures of the Olympic athlete getting their medal and their coach is in the background. Their coach might be blurred out, but they're not less important. They're more, they're, they're more important than we realize, right? And I feel like you too have been, you've been generous with your coaching and loving on people with that. And God's going to raise up this generation. So I bless that in Jesus' name in you. Amen. Woo. Come on, Lord. 
Jesus. Jesus, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. What's your name, ma'am? Melissa. Have I ever ministered to you before? Yeah, okay. Uh, my stepmother's name is Melissa. Uh, honeybee is what it means. So, Lord, we thank you for Melissa. We thank you for the things that you're doing in her life. And the, wow, I just feel like you're in a season of, of great acceleration. And the Lord is saying, yes, now is the time. You're going to begin to speak. You're going to begin to carry a torch. And you're going to begin to run. I feel like the Lord saying, now is the time. You're going to raise up a generation. And you're going to have this, it's almost like a gathering. And it's this gathering of people who want to go after God. And, but they're going after God specifically for their kids. And so I feel like you're going to start to see the torch. Uh, and it's the, it's the enlisting. And it's like the Lord saying, you've been enlisted, Melissa. And so get ready. He's handing the torch to you. It's the baton, and it's you're running that race, and you're going to you're going to begin to move into something really special in this time. Wow, you know I know I'm doing a lot of Olympic metaphors, but this is really good. But I'm reminded of how the Olympics was it. It's it's happening, right? But it's the 2020 Olympics in 2021. What was meant for you in 2020 is going to come back to you as a blessing in 2021. All those things that were reserved for you to be blessings for you in 2020 are going to happen now. And so, Lord, release that right now in Jesus' name over Melissa. Lord, we speak it, that prophetic anointing, let it come over her life, over her family and for the equipping of the saints. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. What's your name, buddy? Dan? And Do you know Dan? You're, okay. So, yeah. What's your name? Merrill. Dan and Merrill. Father, we thank you for Dan and Merrill. Dan, man, you've fought the lion and the bear. And I want to tell you, I have this thing that what the, what the Lord is telling me is you have clearance. You have clearance. Uh, it, it's clearance to move forward. You're thinking clearly. And it's like, you know, when the enemy comes at your mind to try to get you, uh, you know, just all, all mixed up. I feel like you fought that and you've overcome. You have great victory in your life. And you know what? You're going to train other men. And you're going to teach other men to be men and have spirit of love, power, and a sound mind. And you're going to train them to be lovers of God and lovers of their family and lovers of others. And they're going to have a champion spirit in them, Dan. So get ready. God's saying that he's putting the helmet of salvation on you. And it's going to be the... It's, it, it's like this signature thing that you're going to carry, signature thing that you're going to wear. And so you're going to have a quick thinking in this time. You're going to be able to think quicker. You're going to be able to know things. And I feel like even pains that you've had in your head are going. And it, 
It's no longer there. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. You set them apart, Lord. You've given them a new day. Meryl? Is that how I say it? Meryl? Lord, we thank you for Meryl. And your Meryl, I, I, I can I see the Lord, and it's like he's preparing a table before you. And he's spreading this table out. And he's saying, I want want to invite you to this banquet. I want to invite you to this feast. I want to give to you. I want to pour out on you. I want to generously pour out on you. And so this, this time, I believe God wants to cause abundance to come from you. And it's abundance for you. You, you, You're going to start to notice some things about your gifts that are going to start to come into alignment. There's a lot of things related to your gifts that are being activated in this season. And so, Lord, I thank you for Meryl. I thank you for the land that she's come from and the land that she's called to. Lord, the land that she's come from and the land that she's called to. And I feel like the land that you've come from is a lush land and that God's taught you things from that place, taught you. And now you're going to teach others out of the things that you learned. And so I bless that in you, Meryl, in Jesus' name. Come on. Can we celebrate God for that right now? You two are awesome. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? He's so good. He's a good God. What's your all's names? Steve? Steve and Kareem. Awesome. You're all the way in the back. Oh, you were. Okay. So I feel Steve and Kareem, you know, this special love that you both carry. There's a special care for people that you both carry. And that part of your call in this season is uh, to care for those who have not been cared for and to to love on those who have been unloved. And you're going to bring healing to hearts and where they've been broken in their spirits. And so feel like the foundations of a new ministry have been laid and you're going to begin to bring the healing to the brokenhearted. You're going to bring, bring sight uh, to those who can't see and that who've been through trauma and all sorts of uh, issues and dealings. So Lord, we bless them in Jesus name. We thank you for the great healings that are going to flow through them to touch many others in their life. Oh, wow. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I feel like he's saying over you, breathe. Breathe. He's going to breathe fresh air into your lungs. He's going to bring fresh oxygen into your lungs. He's saying breathe because he wants you to go to deeper waters. He's going to take you to a deeper place in him. And this is going to be a place that you've longed for. So, Lord, Give them that. In Jesus' name, give them that. I remember one time, as in a dream, I'm telling you this for for you two, but this is also going to apply to everybody else. I remember I was in a dream, and there was a book at the deep end of the pool. It's a big, giant pool, but there was a deep end. 
and I have this dream and I see this book at the bottom of the pool and I go, what is that book doing down there? And I dive down to see it and to get it. And when I get all the way down, it's the book of Hebrews. And I realize the book of Hebrews is at the deep end of the pool. But the problem was the pressure was too great. Just like when you dive into the deep end and you start experiencing that pressure in your head. And many people couldn't handle the pressure of the deep end of the pool. And so it sat there. And then I saw, that was not me. I saw the, I saw the book of Hebrews being released. And guess who it was being released to? Worship leaders. Worship leaders. Oh, that's my son. I, I thought somebody just got excited, ran up, got And so, Lord, we bless the worship leaders, Lord, in this house that there would be a depth that they would have and carry and be able to bring us into. Lord, that the book of Hebrews, the depths of the nature of Christ and what he's done, because Hebrews is all about the better offering. It's all about worship. So, Lord, release that to them in Jesus' name, that they would carry the book of Hebrews in them Lord, the deep end of the things of the Spirit and be able to bring us into that, the deep that calls to deep. Come on. Amen? Amen. What's going on with you, sister? God's all over you. What's happening? Yeah. We speak breakthrough over you on every level. We speak wholeness on you on every level. We speak newness on you on every level. And Lord, that you would begin to align her in this time. Thank you, Lord, for the reconciliations that will happen over the next 21 days. Lord, thank you for the restorations that will happen over the next 21 days. And that, Lord, we just prophesied turnarounds. Turnarounds. Supernatural turnarounds in Jesus' name. The open heaven turnarounds in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, bless them. Bless them in in this time. I see you represent a tribe. And it's like a tribe of people. And that they're going to come into this house. They're going to come into the place to be healed. And you're going to see this as your family, the tribe that God has assigned you to. And to bring the restoration of his presence in their life and the redemption of their value. And so I just bless this in you. And I speak provision for this vision. And that you would begin to see all those things that God wants to give to you. Lord, let it come in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody say amen. Amen. It's a new day. It's a new day. Wow. Are you all ready for this? This new day? You know, I've known Dave for a very long time, and 
uh, this this house and the things that are going on here and the, the, the massive things that have taken place here, the history of this house, it's incredible. And one of the things that I first talked to you about was I said on the phone, I said, there's uh, water beneath your surface. And I had, I don't even think I had, I had visited one time, but I didn't know any really thing about the church. But it was, I said, there's water beneath the surface. And uh, uh, isn't there, is there aquifers down there? Yeah. I, I said, the Lord showed me in the spirit. I said, you're sitting on water and there's water underneath your ground. And God's saying that that's a spring for you. And that you're going to begin to see that as a sign for you in the days ahead of his prosperity. And he said, oh, you didn't know there's, a, there's an aquifer down there underneath our, our building. I said, there it is. That's the sign. And so God's saturating this land. And it's called Jordan. The Jordan Aquifer. Oh my goodness. Come on. That's amazing. Selah. You know, that's amazing. So Lord, we bless them in Jesus' name. And Lord, and what that means to this house in the future is still yet to be seen. And the, and the resources from this ground are still yet to be unearthed. Lord, we thank you for this. We speak blessing over this house, Lord. Let it come. Lord, I speak that no seat would be empty as this, as this church moves forward into this destiny call. It's not just to get people in here. It's to get people raised up. Raise them up, Lord. Raise them up in this house. Come on, can you agree with me? Can you say amen? Amen. Now listen, I love you all. And I wish I could spend a lot more time here with you, but I have an emergency at home and I have to get out in the morning very early. And that puts me in an unfortunate circumstance where I've yet to learn how to bilocate. But uh, I'm working on that. And so... Uh, one day, one day, but I, at this moment, am limited to one place at one time, and so I have to get home, and uh, I've, I've uh, consulted and asked your incredible pastor here and if, if I could have a blessing to do that, and, and, and so I'm, I'm saying that to you, uh, not because I preach a bad message, and if you don't see me here tomorrow, I got uninvited, okay? I love you guys. I'm going to be back here and uh, spend more time with you and continue to invest in what God is doing. I always get something from this region. The 1212s is still a thing. It is still a thing. It is a thing that God is carrying and I'm carrying in my heart. I know your team is carrying in their hearts here. This is still a thing. We're going to believe God for that in this season. But it, uh, one of the things that I saw in, the, in, in that same dream was they were like shotguns that had unloaded out of a shell, that had literally went everywhere. And in the dream of the 1212s, I had a, a handful of shotgun shells that were loaded, and I, I dropped them, and when I dropped them, they went bang, and they, the, the shotgun, the, the shot scattered in fields all around me. And I, I remember that so vividly. And the Lord said, 
It's not them coming there. It's me sending them now. That's the next move. Like shotgun shot being released is going to go every which way. It's going to go out everywhere. So, Father, we thank you for that. In Jesus' name. Come on, amen. Say amen. 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 I want you to stand. I want to pray for Jamie and his family. And uh, like you said, you know, he's got something. He's got to get back home. He's going to fly out at the crack of dawn. We're going to have church as normal. But we just want to bless him. Man, he's poured out to us for hours and hours today. And uh, and in the sandwich in the middle of that, he went to Adventureland. <laughs> you know, that's, an, that's a sign and a wonder. So, Father, we thank you for this man of God. We thank you for this friend of this house, of this region. Lord, we bless him. Lord, we receive him as the gift that he is. And now, Lord, we stand with him for his family. Lord, for the situation he's facing. Lord, we ask that you would just move mightily on his behalf. Father, we bring it before your throne. Lord, we thank you for the angels you're releasing. And Lord, I I ask God that he would go home refreshed tomorrow morning. Lord, feeling our blessing to go, Lord, that we're with him behind him. Lord, bless his wife, his children. We thank you for them, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to help more people hear this message, you can get the word out by subscribing and sharing it on social media. If you'd like to support the ministries of Heartland Church, you can do so at heartlandchurchonline.com give.